0: I love that song. The term fallow ground may be uh, a little uh, archaic in in many instances. Uh, It comes from the book of Hosea, uh, chapter 10 and verse 12. It says, Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, For it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. And of course, uh, the term fallow ground is not uh, as we might originally think. This was something that was understood by everyone in the land of Israel when Hosea spoke these words to them. Uh, Fallow ground is not just unplanted ground or uh, ground that will not produce Fallow ground is good soil that is purposely or carelessly left to weeds. And when it talks about breaking up fallow ground, it's talking about getting those things in our lives that could be used for serving the Lord and are not because of many of the reasons that were spoken of in the, in the song. Sinful pride, carelessness, habits... Uh, of this world, distractions uh, wow, could preach a whole message on distraction, could we not? Uh, I think our ladies covered that extremely thoroughly in the ladies conference uh, distractions and, and um, I see many smiles of the ladies who participated in the in the uh, noise making and all of that it was uh, I heard about it uh, being uh, that i 'm not a lady i wasn 't there but uh, uh, we we won't do that on Sunday morning, I promise you, okay? Uh, so, a lot of ladies are going, rats, that was so much fun. But, uh, uh, our, our text this morning is in the book of Ephesians, and if you would turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. As we've been going through the book of Ephesians on Thursday night, uh, we've been moving at a pretty good pace, and, and I just believe that we need to spend a little bit of time here on on just three verses out of Hebrews chapter 1. They all deal with one word, and, and that word is inheritance. And, and so let's just read the verses and then try to put, uh, put these things uh, in context here. Verse 11 of Hebrews chapter 1, it says, "...in whom also we have obtained..." an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will verse 14 which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory and verse 18 the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So, we have the riches of the glory of his inheritance. We have, in verse uh, 14, the earnest of our inheritance. In verse verse 11... We have the purpose of him that has given us this inheritance. Uh, I just want to tell you as a church, uh, our missions conference, our time with Brother Brown, uh, has reflected itself uh, already in the offerings. In fact, we have caught up everything that was a little slow and uh, was not there over the last several months. Now, that doesn't mean slow down, all right? Uh, because if we're going to move forward, if, if we're going to uh, be able to add missionaries to our families, uh, we're going to have to do just uh, a little bit more than what we're doing. And I want you to pray about that and and seek God's will so that when we come to our annual missions conference, we have uh, several missionary families that would be just a, 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 it would be a great investment for our church to partake in those ministries. How many of you have been touched by Brother Sam Thomas and his ministry? And the stories he tells are, are just uh, wow, uh, and they're not just stories for sermon's sake. They're they're real things that have happened in his life and ministry and in his country. India, India is a great land of mystery. And it would be a much better place if the gospel were more present there. We can't go there as Americans with the gospel as we would to many other nations as we would to start churches even here in the United States. But we can support a man like Brother Thomas who is working with 150 churches. I'm going crazy with four. Uh, I, I just think about uh, what what he is doing over there, the ministry that his father started and and uh, we just praise the Lord that we 're able to have a part, and we were able to send him away with a good love offering. <coughs> Excuse me, and the greatest thing is this comes out of your regular missions giving um, just talked to Brother Brinkley this week. He's going to be with us uh, next September. <coughs> and Brother Heberu uh, he- from uh, Brazil is going to be with us in August. And so we're going to get to see uh, uh, some of our missionaries from that we support. And we're working on trying to get some new ones in as well. Uh, and so we want to see what the Lord does. But this morning, getting back to this thing called an inheritance we can say, we could ask the question, why do we serve the Lord? Part of it is the inheritance. We, we think of as Christians that we should not be motivated. In fact, I've, I've met Christians in the past. So, I, I'm not motivated by anything except just I want to love Jesus and I want to serve the Lord. Well, the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible says that we ought to covet earnestly the best gifts, that we ought to keep the end goal in mind, the fact that we are going to be ushered into the very presence of the eternal Creator God of this universe, Uh, that we will have a right to speak to Him. Have you have you ever thought about that? I mean, most of us would like to. We think, boy, I'd like to call up that uh, politician and give him uh, a piece of my mind. Well, you'd better keep all you got. You need it. Amen? Uh, they're not going to listen anyway. Uh, you know, uh, when the Veterans Day parade, we saw our great senator, uh, Charles Schumer, marching in front of us, and I just wanted to go, boom! <laughs> but I didn't. So you'll be proud of your preacher. Uh, the The fact that that man has done so much to undermine the efforts of our veterans just infuriates me. But that's not how we handle things. You know why? Because I don't have the right to speak. I've never worn the uniform. I'm not a veteran. I, I want to support our veterans. And we, we want to be mindful of the great sacrifices that they have made. But there's a lot of things we don't have the right to speak of. Not a one of us in this room can sit down, dial the White House, and speak to the President. You know why? Because we don't have the right to do that. But when is the last time you thought about, I can get on my knees anywhere I am and speak to the very Creator God of the entire universe? And he listens. We don't think about that. And here it talks about an inheritance. How many stories have been written about inheritances? I mean, you have all of these uh, in the turn of the last century from the 1890s up until... Uh, the 1910s, really to the stock market crash when everything changed in this country economically. Uh, they wrote a lot of stories of poor uh, little uh, boys on the street. Some of them were shoeshine boys and others were different things and and, and working themselves up in their business and and many of them in the stories would inherit the business that they had labored in many years, and all of a sudden they were no longer the the poor little newsboy or the or the guy that swept the thing. They were the uh, 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 a gentleman of position and wealth, and how they would use that to help others, and and lots and lots and lots of stories. One of my favorites is Robert Louis Stevenson's Kidnapped. If you've ever read that story. Uh, It's a fascinating read. It, uh, by the way, it won't help you spiritually, okay? Uh, But uh, you know, people often say, "I just need a diversion. I need to relax." Well, that's a good way to do it and not fill your mind with sword details and a lot of uh, techno garbage that's in all of the comic books and most of the entertainment of our day. But the whole story is about an inheritance and how a young boy was cheated out of it and almost murdered, and finally at the end, he gets his inheritance. And the beautiful girl, and everything just goes on and on, and it's a wonderful story. But, have you ever thought about your inheritance? The The Bible tells us this is supposed to be part of our motivation to serve God. If you... Think that you don't need to be motivated by this, then actually you're disagreeing with God because He wants us to be motivated by this. He wants us to think about this inheritance. Many places in the Bible uh, it talks about when he spoke to the rich young ruler, he said, Listen, give away, sell everything you got, give it all away, and follow me. And the disciples are standing there as he walks away with his head hung low, possibly even sobbing. The Bible said he was very sorrowful because he knew what he was doing. He was turning his back on Christ so that he could hold on to that which he had obtained by inheritance. His position, his wealth. And he wasn't going to let go. He couldn't understand. He wouldn't understand that the inheritance that Christ offered was far greater than anything He could possess on this earth. And the disciples turned to Jesus. It was Peter that spoke and said, Okay, Lord, uh, we've we've done that. We've given everything up. Not that we had that much to give up, but we gave it up. Uh, What happens to us? How many of you remember Jesus' answer? He says, you're going to receive in this time houses, lands, all of those things with tribulation. And in the life to come, in the world to come eternal life. And so as we look at these verses in this inheritance, we want to think about this thing. It says, verse 11, in whom, talking about Jesus Christ... Also we have attained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. That we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. I want you to understand there's a purpose in this inheritance. That God wants to do certain things, often. A, a man of, of great wealth uh, as he looks to the next generation or even the generation of his grandsons to leave an inheritance to, he, you got to understand something. In order to get an inheritance, there's got to be a connection to the giver. There's got to be a relationship there. Uh, That's why some of these rich people leave their millions of dollars to their cats and dogs. They do. You know why? Because they have a closer relationship with their cat or their dog or whatever it may be than they did with any human being. I remember the story of one lady, very wealthy, and her kids were dissolute and she was determined to figure something out, and and uh, when she died, there was nothing. She had no money, and her kids were just screaming. And what little she had left, she left to her dog. And so, I, I don't even remember, I think it was one of the servants took the dog, somebody took the dog and took care of it, nobody wanted mom's dog or grandma's dog, and Grandma had uh, foolishly bought a rhinestone collar for her little pet mop. I'm, I'm sorry, I don't like little long-haired dogs. but uh, 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 And if you do, forgive me. But uh, finally, the little dog died. And they took the collar off and found out she had taken all of her wealth and bought diamonds. And had them mounted on the collar of the little dog. And whoever took care of the dog got the inheritance. I had a lawyer one time tell me, he said, wills are most often the expression of hatred and avarice of the person writing the will. That's certainly a good example of that. And yet, we're talking about an inheritance that comes from God. Uh, first of all, you've got to have a relation. Do you think that's why Jesus used the term born again? Because the best way to stand in line for an inheritance is to be part of the family. Amen? Uh, you've got to have the right last name uh, to inherit. When uh, Howard Hughes died, the Montoro family was unaffected. The names are spelled slightly different, and and, uh, praise God, none of my distant cousins, aunts, or uncles were uh, uh, one of his many, many uh, wives, etc., etc. We were totally unattached, so we didn't have to worry about uh, Howard Hughes' wealth when he died. In fact, the lawyers were the ones that got most of it. About 80% of his estate went to the lawyers. Um, But there's got to be a relationship. And that's why it's called being born again, because we're born into a family. We are made joint heirs with Jesus Christ. The other way is to be named in a will. I mean, there's got to be a right there. There must be some type of connection that allows you to inherit. So when you get one of these emails from Nigeria that says, Dear Mrs. Beloved uh, Abawija, whatever has left you $60 million in U.S. currency, you know that that's a lie. Amen? Uh, I know a preacher once that believed those things, got himself into a lot of trouble trying to uh, import all of those fake millions into the... uh, the, What happens is you give them your bank account number and they steal your money. Uh, That's really what happens there. Because it's not a true inheritance. If it's real, you have a relationship. Amen? But do you know that inheritance sometimes comes with conditions? This inheritance comes with conditions. Not only must you have a relationship with God, there, there are conditions, and those conditions are, are listed right here in this verse. It says that he has predestinated according to the purpose. Uh, do you know that when someone makes you the recipient of an inheritance, they, they do have a right to ask certain things of you? And God says, listen, I am willing to make you a recipient of the inheritance of the creator of all the universe. But there are some conditions here. I have some purposes. I want your life to be found. What's it say there? That we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. We, we should be. Our lives should bring about. If we're going to enjoy this inheritance, if this inheritance is going to mean anything to us, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. I may remember the story of Esau and Jacob. We just covered that a few months ago in our Sunday school time. Remember what the Bible said? Thus, Esau despised his birthright. You know, Esau, the Bible calls him a profane person. He took the most sacred possession that was his by right. He was born... Just a few moments before Jacob, but those few moments in time gave him the right to his father's name and the right to carry on the line uh, of, of Isaac and Esau forsook all of those things for a bowl of red lentils. He didn't think it was that big of a deal. Can I just chase a rabbit here? Well, I'm going to. I hope you follow with me. You know, this is why I get so upset and, and I, I hope you will follow me with this when someone says, Jesus is my homie. That, that is despising the inheritance that God has given us. Would you agree with me on that? That's why I get upset when we have churches that I used to be in, churches that used to support us as we started here. And today, uh, they've taken their platform down, they've removed their pulpit, and they they have a praise team up here. And I remember one preacher described it this way, the necklines are a little low, the hemlines are a little high. And he said, there's just nothing on there that makes me want to think about God. And that goes on and it's called worship. I want you to understand, that's despising the inheritance. That's profaning the things that God has given us. Uh, that song, Break Up Your Fallow Ground. Uh, I, I hope you would take this opportunity to look at your life, that each one of us would take a few moments and examine. Is, is there a part of my life, is there some effort in my life that I'm not investing In the work of God as I should. Is there a place of disobedience? Is there something keeping me. From moving forward in my service to God. You see. The purpose. Of the giver of this inheritance. Is that we would be conformed to the image. Of Jesus Christ. And yet. I would dare say that there is no living human being that would confuse anyone in this auditorium, myself included, with the Lord Jesus Christ. And What I mean by that is, we've got a ways to go. Uh, we're not living up to what the grantor of this inheritance would like to see in our lives. Would you agree with me on that? We need to think about that. That's one of the reasons we serve the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what we are trying to do. We need to understand that God wants us to move forward in our service for Him. Let's go to verse 14. It says, which is the earnest of our inheritance. Now, what is that talking about? Verse 13. In whom also ye, I mean, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye have believed, were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance. Now we're a Baptist church. Uh, Often when we're passing out tracts, I'll meet somebody and they'll go, Oh, oh, this, this is a gospel tract. Uh, do you have the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. But we don't speak in tongues. Oh, you don't have the Spirit in it. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What's it say here? It says that we were sealed with the Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance. Now, I need you to pray about one thing, because, see, earnest is the down payment. Uh, We at Community Baptist Church has put $5,000 earnest down on the property. Uh, We got the title insurance on Friday. We also found out that the lawyer of the seller didn't even begin the filing process to get attorney general approval, which could take several months if he proves as diligent, or lack thereof, as he has in the past. Would would you pray with us about that? Uh, This sale is going to be simply delayed. And we're paying rent now at uh, more than two times what the mortgage payment will be once we buy the property. But we'd be very foolish to give any money, more money, until the lawyer comes up with the proper paperwork because we don't want an illegal sale. And, and I do want to tell you that the church has tried to buy this property three times under the former pastor and it failed every time. And so uh, I'm asking for earnest prayer here because uh, not that we're in danger of losing our earnest, it's, it's going to be them that fail, not us, if this doesn't happen. But I believe the Lord wants to see this thing happen, and we just need to pray right now. See, the earnest is the down payment. Now, I don't know how many of you have really understood the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. But that's the earnest. Many, many people battle with depression, battle with discouragement. Uh, everyone will at one point or another. But I, I remember the most discouraging times in my life. It was not a real voice. It was the voice of Scripture being brought to my mind by the Holy Spirit of God. So God isn't done yet. God isn't finished. You see, this is the earnest. We tend to ignore the Holy Spirit and we shouldn't. The Bible tells us that we're supposed to walk in the Spirit. The Bible tells us it is the Holy Spirit of God that has sealed us. And when I think of sealed, I, I just go back. My life, I go back to my basement in my house where I grew up. Because on the shelves of a, of a just an old two-by-four uh, shelf that my dad made that went from all the way from the floor to the ceiling, there would literally be 250, 300 jars of canned fruit and vegetables on those shelves. And I can still hear the sound as you open up that quart of peaches and there's snow on the ground and it's icy cold outside and you pull out one of those peaches and take a bite and all of a sudden it's summer. I'll tell you what, just, oh, my wife hates it. She, She buys peaches at stores. She doesn't even offer them to me anymore. And, uh, there's once or twice she said, No, you've got to try this. This is I said, Yeah, that, that's close. Yes. That's of course your memory does things better than reality oftentimes, and uh, but just the memory of that sealed fruit and vegetables. I'll tell you it's a wonderful thing. I am not responsible for keeping my salvation. Holy Spirit of God is. It has been said of many of us in this room, I am sure, that, you know, you'd forget your head if it weren't attached. How many have heard that? You don't have to raise your hand. Uh, How many good things in life have we made mistakes on? Do you realize that God, because of the purpose of His inheritance has given us a salvation that we can't mess up. You can mess everything else up. You can mess up your testimony. You can mess up your service for the Lord. You can lose opportunities. You can leave that fallow ground, lay fallow if you would. But I want you to understand something. The Holy Spirit has a work in our life. I want you to pray with me. We're working on a new Bible reading schedule. We got the first steps done. And we're going to do some different things come year, uh, the first of the year. And uh, so I want you to be praying about that. Praying, number one, that God will give uh, the wisdom to prepare this in such a way. And praying, number two, that you will be willing to get on board. All right? Because if there's something lacking, it's it's the fact that we don't get as much of this book in us on a regular basis as we should. But we're never going to grow in the Lord or be what the Lord wants us to be without a regular intake of the Word of God. There's only one problem those are God's words if they truly are God's words, and they are, how in the world are you going to understand them? Oh, let's go back. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's work in your life is limited by the amount of the Word of God that you have access to in your soul. The Holy Spirit isn't going to grab words off the page. And we've often joked, you know, don't be the guy that flips through the Bible and says, God, show me what you want me to do. And Ahithophel went home and hanged himself. Okay, let's not read that like that. Uh, I'll tell you, that's not the way God speaks to you. You've got to take the words off the page and put them in your head and let them filter down into your heart. And now the Holy Spirit has the ability to take that and put that to work in your life. Do you, do you realize that's just the earnest? That's the tiniest little tiny bit of the down payment of God's grace. The fact that the Holy Spirit keeps us saved, that we cannot lose our salvation, that the Holy Spirit is actively involved in helping us understand this book. If you have a problem... Understanding what the Bible says, would you just simply pray and say, Dear God in heaven, the Bible promises me that the Holy Spirit will help me understand this book called the Bible. Would you give Him the ability to give me an understanding of what I'm reading? God will answer that prayer, my friends. You might not like the answer, because it might mean you have to change some things. But the Holy Spirit of God will give you that understanding. Jesus said, how be it he, when he, the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. you want to understand how to live a life in this age, how to be prepared for the future? I'll tell you how you do that. You let the Holy Spirit do His work in your heart. Amen. Now look at Ephesians chapter 1, in verse 18. It says, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of His calling, and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the the saints." Now, most of us in this room, we have no idea what it is to be rich, to have more money than you could possibly spend in two or three lifetimes. Most of us don't understand that, and that's not a bad thing. How many people, if you stop and think, how many people did you go to high school with that said, I'm going to be rich? I wish I could look up a few of my classmates, because I just have one question for you. How's that working out for you? Because I know how it's working out. Even if you have all the money that you could ever dream of, without Jesus Christ, it's worthless. It's a miserable life without the Lord Jesus Christ. If you could have everything this world were to give you, And miss eternity, what did Jesus say? What shall a man profit if he gained the whole world and lose his own soul? And yet, how many Christians lose out on their ability to serve the Lord because they're trying to get a hold of something out here? If we could understand the riches of his glory, I think of the picture that is painted in the book of Revelation chapters 4 and 5, as those saints. There are 24 elders gathered around the throne. I I believe that those 24 elders are the 12 tribes of Israel, the Old Testament saints, and the 12 apostles of the land, the New Testament saints. And it says that they cast their crowns at the feet of Him that sits on the throne. Now, often people in describing the uh, the widow and her two mites talk about the golden horn that was built into the masonry wall. And Brother Brown talked a little bit about that in, uh, um, uh, in, in during our missions conference and how the sound of those gold coins hitting the golden horn as it funnel as it went into the wall would echo throughout the temple. Well, I want you to think about this. There's a crystal sea in front of the throne of God. The Bible talks about the New Jerusalem being made of gold as transparent glass. And the crowns are made out of gold. Now you talk about coins echoing in a funnel going into a wall. What are you going to do with all of those golden crowns clattering on the floor in front of the throne of God? I'll, I'll tell you, it's going to be deafening. How many of you have ever been to a ball game, professional ball game in the city? And uh, they'll get that, what is it, that wave going and everybody goes around. And you say, what, what is that all about? You want me to tell you what it's all about? It's about you being a part of the noise and the things in the stand. That's what it's about. Supporting the home team. Now, that's fun. But do you get what this means? The riches of His glory? To participate in that cacophony of noise and praise to the God of heaven that is going to be repeated continually throughout all eternity. To have a part in the team that glorifies God and puts Him where He is upon the throne of the universe that explains and helps us understand how great our God is to be a part, to enjoy the right of my inheritance and to speak to the glory of God. That's, that's the riches of the glory of His inheritance. He is going to give each one of us a podium I mean, how many of you have heard the phrase, his 15 minutes of fame or 10 minutes of fame or actually 20 seconds of fame by the time they edit it at the TV station, if that's the kind of fame you want. Uh, Listen, God's going to give every believer the pulpit of heaven. And He's going to take our life and put it on display. And he's going to judge us for the things that we did. And we will either have a pulpit to give glory to his name or to proclaim our own shame in not having participated while we lived in this life to fulfill the purpose of our inheritance that has been promised us. See, the question this morning is simply this. Why do we serve God the way we serve God? I've often been questioned. You're such an old-fashioned preacher. Yes. In a young body. And I'll be saying that when I'm 100. If the Lord lets me live that long. Because compared to eternity, I don't care if you live to be 500, that's still nothing. Amen? You know why we do things the way we do? Because there's a purpose in this inheritance, and we do not want to violate the purpose of Him who has written us into His will, who has adopted us, who has purchased us off the slave block of sin and given us the power to be born into His family. We want to conform to the image of Christ. Guess what? The earnest of that is the Holy Spirit of God. Do not try to speak to the voices that are out there or that are in you. Or that you hear. That's not the Holy Spirit of God, I promise you. The Holy Spirit of God will speak to you. He will give you direction that you need as you make this book available to Him. Not on the page, not in your head, but in your heart and in your soul. As you do that, the Holy Spirit will give you the direction that you need. You want to know God's will for your life. Here's how you find it. It's written down. It's that simple. Uh, every time I preach that sermon, whether it be on the campus of Heartland Baptist Bible College or in the discipleship, or uh, I, I just feel like there's just a huge portion of this we don't get. When I'm obedient to what the Bible says, it opens the door for God to do the things that I have no way of knowing on my own what is best. We don't have time for the sermon this morning, but stop and think about this. You made the most changing decisions, the most determining points of your life were all made before you were 25 years old, most of us. And yet, I still run into people regularly in their 40s and 50s and 60s. What are you? And I feel like asking the question, what are you going to be when you grow up? Because they're still just wandering through the paths of life. As a believer in Jesus Christ, as a recipient of the inheritance, as a written name in the will of Almighty God, He has a purpose. He has given me His Holy Spirit. That's just the least part of the inheritance. If we could grasp the riches of the glory of His inheritance. Having a right to walk through those pearly gates. Having a right to stand in the presence of the Creator. It says he's made us kings and priests. That's where we're going to end up. That's his will. You know what? Some some Christians, all the changing work and all the blessings of God are going to happen when they die. Because you're going to be conformed to the image of Christ when you get to heaven. Uh, You're you're going to be changed when you get there. God is not going to allow nonconformity in heaven. But if you want to enjoy those blessings and all of that wonder and seeing that God himself is moving things in your life to accomplish his will you got to get busy now living the purpose of him who has given us that inheritance. And you can enjoy those blessings. I'm 27 years down the road as the pastor of this church. Over 30 years in marriage. And uh, let's see here. 86, I don't know what that, 43, uh, something, I don't know. I, I don't do math really good on the spur of the moment. But uh, 86 is 14 and 19 is 33, 30. yeah, 33 years in the ministry. I'm down the road far enough that I can't turn around and change anything. But I'll tell you what, I have no regrets. Not a one. Would I like have liked to seen the Lord do more? Yeah. Why didn't he? Well, because I didn't live up to the inheritance the way I should. But I'll tell you what, I'm glad he's done what he's done. I'm on the right road. And I want you to be on the right road. We have had a lot of young people in this church, grew up, listen to this preaching for years and turn their back on it. It's, it's one of the great tragedies. Why does that happen? Well, I think part of it is because they listening to things other than this book called the Bible. Set your heart on the inheritance that God has. And you cannot set your goals any higher than that, my friend. Understand that the riches of His glory are far greater than anything that you can imagine. I'll tell you, standing there at the Veterans Day Parade, They had the commandant of the Marine Corps and the sergeant of the corps there. Uh, There's only one sergeant of the whole Marine Corps. There's only one commandant. The closest I could get was behind the stage taking a picture with my camera. But I I got the arm patch of of the sergeant and I got all four stars of the commandant on my picture. See... When I was 16 years old, I wanted to be a Marine more than anything. And I see those uniforms go marching by. And I mean, I've talked to men who have been in the Corps, and there's something one preacher friend, uh, not a close friend, but a, a friend in the ministry explained as he was preaching one day about that uh, spirit of the Corps and that oneness there. And then I thought about, you know what? I missed out on that because I became a preacher. But there's a greater spirit of the core in heaven than ever would be on earth. There's a greater camaraderie among those that are saved. To stand next to the Apostle Paul and Peter. To stand with the saints of God that have given their lives. And we would never know their names, but we will in heaven one day because part of the riches of that glory is to give each one of us a chance to testify of the goodness of God in our lives. And what I want you to evaluate today, the reason we serve God the way we do. There's a purpose. There's a Holy Spirit. And there are the riches of the glory of this inheritance that are so far beyond anything we can imagine. It it wouldn't hurt you to be greedy in wanting to serve God. Now, I'll tell you, I'm using a bad word to describe a good thing because most of us, when we think about serving God, oh, I'm not going to let any desire into this. I'm just going to serve the God carefully. And No. That's not the way it works. There, there ought to be a desire in there. There ought to be a want to. There ought to be a willingness to reach out to those things which are before. To let go of those things which are behind. Read Philippians 3. You see, there's an inheritance. We have the least of those mercies of which I dare say we take very little advantage of in this life. If you know the comfort of the Holy Spirit of God, then you're you're tasting just the edge of the goodness of God. That's the earnest. Think of what the actual payment's going to be. And the Bible says that we should allow these things to motivate us in our service for the Lord. And so the first question is, would you evaluate where you are? What motivates you? What's hindering you? The, this service that the Lord has for you? This opportunity to be involved, to receive the inheritance of, Of eternal life. Let's have every head bowed. Every eye closed.